Hello, and welcome to Trekkie and Beyond, a Star Trek podcast. I'm Monika. And I'm Andrea. And welcome to the first episode of season two. Claps and snaps for us. So we are back here now to discuss season two of Star Trek Discovery. And just like season one, season two starts off with a bang. Um, except not a war, but maybe. Who knows? We'll see. This, this episode is throwing Michael Burnham once again, along with her crew, the Discovery crew, into a whole new mystery. And I cannot wait. So as a quick little recap, um, after answering, the season starts off because the Discovery crew, after this whole long episode, you know, season one, the whole ordeal, they are answering a distress signal from the USS Enterprise. And they welcome aboard Captain Christopher Pike, which I love him, but we'll get into that later. And they begin a whole new mission to investigate the meaning behind seven mysterious red signals. And Michael grapples with her past of growing up on Vulcan with her foster parents and her brother Spock, who we're going to meet this season. So after that little quick little recap, what are your initial thoughts of this episode? I am so excited. I really like the potential direction for this. <laughs> Doesn't seem off the bat as though Michael's creating a war. <laughs> and, uh, and I like the new characters, the top-notch special effects. Um, it's an intriguing storyline. Two thumbs up for me. Two thumbs up for me as well. Maybe half thumbs. Ah, I'll, I'll, give them, I'll give them two thumbs up because I liked this episode. It was a good episode. Uh, it gave us a little bit more information. We learned some more of um, Michael's history and um, we get to see the crew sort of trust again, which is sort of, which is, didn't really realize until they started trusting again, how jaded they probably would be and are because they've had two previous, their two most previous captains technically betrayed them. So they're a little raw and they only really are trusting people that they know. Um, so it was a great episode for that. Um, instead of calling it brother, they should have called it trust because that is what Discovery Crew is doing. They are trusting. Um, and I agree with you, the special effects were really great. And then we do meet some great new characters. And I will have to say one of my favorite actresses is in this movie. I hope I got her pronouns correct. Um, Tig Montaro, I love that lady. And I apologize if this is incorrect, um, but she's amazing. She's amazing. So let's go ahead and take a deeper dive into the episode. What uh, was your thought of the opening scene? It's intriguing. Uh, there was a, a flashback, a monologue from Michael and uh, an African proverb and a connection to the Milky Way and it showed it off in the distance. And it seems like that's where we're going this time is to actually research what's going on out in space, which I like. And I like away missions and like um, scientific research. So this is intriguing to me. Um, then there was a flashback to Spock as a young boy and he seems to me like a brat. What did you think about Spock? So I personally, I love me some Spock. I, he's probably one of my favorite characters from Star Trek and seeing that little version of him made me just want to be like, don't do this. Please don't make me hate my favorite character. Please don't make me hate one of my favorite characters. Um, I can sort of understand why he was acting as a brat 
um, because, you know, he's half Vulcan, half human. He already stands out. Um, and he's already basically an outcast in his world. So the only people he really has, I guess he may feel like he has are his parents. And now they're bringing another child into the, the whole, into the home who could possibly take away the only like comfort that he has. Cause like they're his and I can understand his child mentality, but at the same time, don't treat my girl that way. I hope they redeem Spock from what we what we like sort of know from this opening scene. I mean, he grows up, of course, but um, it's just don't don't do my Spock this way, please. Don't don't do my Spock this way because I have loved him forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's interesting to see, and, and you know, we all grew up and we've seen this before, whether it's, you know, as a, uh, a sibling and a new baby's brought into the home and then someone's acting up or a dog is brought a, into the home and then the other dog is upset mm -hmm. <laughs> acting like this way. But there was an interesting connection. I, and I should actually like uh, describe the scene in which Michael is flashing back to her connection with uh, how she joined um, Sarah and Amanda's family. Uh, and she, uh, Sarah introduces her to Amanda. Amanda reaches out her hand to shake Michael's hand. And Michael doesn't want to shake Amanda's hand. And is like, is a little off guard, like is, is protected. It, it's like, she doesn't want to like em embrace someone new yet. And mm -hmm. I think, possibly a maternal substitute. So uh, then she's introduced, Michael is introduced to Spock and Michael reaches out her hand to Spock and Spock doesn't want to shake Michael's hand. Instead, he closes the door right in front of not only her face, but his parents' face, which in my household, that would never been acceptable. <laughs> I guess the Balkans are raised differently, <laughs> but it's interesting to see that conflict and that dynamic. And maybe that's why they've had, they, maybe they started off on the wrong foot together and they've, we'll see, we'll see how their, their relationship has developed. And maybe that's why we never have heard about her and he hasn't talked about her because they're not um, on good terms. I don't know. Those are all. Um... Those are all good reasonings. Um, still, they better not. They better fix my Spock. They better like redeem him. I mean, granted, again, he's probably like five. He looks like he was five at the most in that scene. So, we're gonna forgive a five-year-old because um, I can't. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't do my Spock this way. Don't do my Spock this way, please. That's all I ask. <laughs> But we're also introduced to another character from the original series of Star Trek, and that's Captain Pike. And I love this version of Captain Pike. Yeah. I love the other version from the Star Trek movies. I liked him, but this one just seems more like, I'm going to sit down and have a beer with you because we're bros. And not to teach you a lesson, but just to hang out because we're bros. Um, not to, so... I, I liked this Pike and I liked that um, when he was meeting the crew, he's like, I want, I wanted to meet you face to face to let you know, I'm sort of taking over your ship for, for a bit because I have a mission, but my ship isn't working. So I need your ship. Um, 
I love that he was respectful in the entire manner that he that he did it. Um, he didn't talk down to Saru. I love that he he's like a man's man. He's like right. that rugged man who's like, look, I know I'm a captain, but I know where I, I remember where I came from. I don't have like this chip on my shoulder. Um, he's vastly different than Lorca and uh, and I think both Georgia, both of Georgios, um, and how he handles um the people on his crew. Um, because you hear one of his crew members make that little remark, oh, I see where they're spending their money. And he's like, Don't do that. Remember, we got the new uniform. So it's like he's a humble guy. And I can I'm hoping again, because you know, we don't I haven't seen past this episode that he stays that he's truly this humble person. Oh, yeah. Um, he admits that he failed astrophysics and yes. that he had asthma as a young kid. So he also talks about his weaknesses. And for some leaders, they never talk. Like mm-hmm. not even, not just Star Trek, but in general, they never talk about their their weaknesses. And so he put it out on the table and he asked everyone to introduce themselves, not by rank, I think, but just by like your first year, share your names, share your first and last names. And he like remembered it off the bat. And mm-hmm. uh, I thought it was a really good introduction. And as you mentioned before, I also could see why some of the crew would be hesitant because it wasn't very clear why he was coming on board. This mission wasn't disclosed to them. And like, how do we trust that Pike is not from the mirror universe as well? <laughs> I'm sure there was lots of thoughts in the crew's head like, uh, <laughs> it's this new guy and taking control of everything. Um, and I also like that he, addresses the elephant in the room when it comes to you don't trust me and I understand that you've been burned um I like that he addresses it and he doesn't um and he doesn't like wave away their fears he he lets them know their valid fears their valid worries um and I'm not here to do anything other than the mission from Star uh from Star Trek from Starfleet and um it was really really he, he's like a breath of fresh air and like the discovery crew I'm, I'm a, i was a little hesitant to trust him because i love i love captain pike but at the same time we only know what's going to happen in this show if right. it's really going to line up to everything we already know so i'm very very thankful that uh they're doing my guy pretty good so far i'm liking this version the best so far yes um we also see in this episode we see paul grieving hugh um which was i think the first time we well not the first time because there were moments where I could tell that he was like upset and other in season one after it happened but this was the first time we see him watching like a video and it was great to see the actor come back because I love him um and actually see him uh grieve Hugh and then make a connection of what he was trying to tell him why he was trying to get him to love this opera that (laughs) uh, Paul hated so it was great to see that what did you think of the scene of that part it was touching and I was thinking finally they're showing this because I was worried because early on in season one um Paul's friend and like engineering friend on the USS Glenn died as as well as all of the crew members over there and he was distraught and distracted with Tilly and kind of angry sometimes and we could clearly see that, but that was also before he was, I don't know, uh, his DNA changed with Mm -hmm. the spore. And so now he's more sensitive and like uh, friendly. (laughs) 
Well, so, as- I was, <laughs> so I was expecting to see a little bit more feeling from him. And um, especially after he bumped into Ash and it was kind of nonchalant seeing there. So I was, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like that. I expected to see him push Ash or some sort of um, anger. Um, but finally it's, it's, maybe it took a while to set in for him and to see that reflection in the mirror. There was another scene in which we saw, we've seen flashbacks with Hugh. So that helps me a ton also, because I felt like I was grieving for Hugh for a while there. (laughs) And it's also interesting because now Paul wants to transition out. Well, before we move, before we move, I I do want to add a bit. One of the reasons why I think, I think Paul wasn't allowing himself to grieve Hugh um because it's like almost like a time and a place as in like they were still smack dab in the middle of all of that fight all of that fighting um they I think by the time he realized what happened they had just got back from the mirror universe and they were smack dab trying to figure out their nine months in the future and they're at war like the war the Klingons is going horrible so I feel like because Hugh like you said had that his DNA changed he was like I can't access that part of my pain right now because it's not going to do anything to help anyone um, he's like, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to do my job. Well, I'm going to get everyone safe as much as I can. I'm going to help with the team. And then like, now that the war is over, everyone's at peace. He's like, feels like he's good. He's done what his life's journey was. He's like, I can grieve now because my taking time for myself isn't going to negatively affect anyone else. I, I thought that's why he, that was my belief of why he didn't grieve Hugh. Cause it was like, it was a time and a place like if I stop and break down he had time to stop and break down after his friend passed but he didn't have time to stop and break down after Hugh because it was everything was so much more rapid pace um it was like I know what happened but if I let it's like if you let one one tear fall they all fall and you're never going to get through what you need to get through (laughs) and thanks for sharing that because I didn't think about that and that's so true and I'm glad he didn't overreact because we also have seen some of the characters overreact after a death Mm -hmm. Um, and then not able to do their job in a proper way (laughs) yeah and so Paul was like I gotta get this horrible (laughs) he's like I need to save everyone so I can grieve almost so I like that but then to lead on to what you were talking about now we see that Paul is going to go to the Vulcan Science Academy and I'm not happy about it how do you feel about it I'm not so I I don't want to see his character leave right so Mm -hmm. But I'm happy that the Vulcan Science Academy is now interested in integration. <laughs> because <That's not> <laughs> because uh, Michael could not join because she wasn't Vulcan enough for them. And so now not only are they interested in like um, Paul joining, but also teaching. I, I believe he's going to become, uh, become a professor teacher, yeah. there. So thank, thank you. Vulcans for help seeing the way and opening up yourself to diversity. <laughs> um, I, I I agree. I don't want to see his character go away either. Um, but I I would prefer his character to leave to Hill and to come back stronger than ever than to stay and break down because his reasoning for leaving as I is like I completely understand. He's like everywhere he goes, he sees his husband, and not to out of mind, out of place. Like out of mind, out of um, you know, uh, out of out of mind, out of, you know, the saying. I can't remember yeah. the saying. Um, but he needs time to come to terms with 
everything that has happened in the last couple of months because he's not only just grieving the, the loss of his husband, he's grieving everything else the discovery is grie grieving as well. All of the betrayals, like the shock, everything that they've been through. Um, plus, and then on top of all of that, the man he loved was killed and the person who was the reasoning behind it isn't in jail because technically it wasn't his fault, but it was. So it's like, he's like, I need to get away. And I can understand that because you need time to come back to yourself and find who you were and be okay with things and not just say you're okay, but to be okay. So I think that's a good, uh, a good move for him. Yeah. And of all the characters, he's the one that physically changed mm -hmm. the most. Right. And then secondly, he told Lorca and arrested a crew that he wanted to focus on research. He mm -hmm. wasn't into this whole war stuff. Like, it's like, yeah. can I go back to Starfleet? And uh, I, I can understand wanting to have a fresh start somewhere else. So I, this is a good place to pause um, on a little bit of a happy, sad note. Um, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hang on. Welcome back to our discussion of Discovery season two, episode one. And we are back guys. So we just finished talking about Paul and everything that's happened on the Discovery so far up until the point of him like grieving. Um, so right now, Captain Pike is on the, the point of Pat, Captain Pike's team being on the Discovery is to basically try and figure out where all these secret messages or whatever is this, whatever is happening is happening discover what it is and why it's happening um and during this away mission uh we see that one we have like this we have why does starfleet keep having these arrogant people uh, <laughs> um because on this they're away, everywhere <laughs> yes because <laughs> on this away mission um we see michael's leaving with the three people that came well the two other people who came with captain pike and one of them Call it Paul, uh, Colony, Colony, Connell, uh, Colin, 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 yes. Sorry, people, for definitely butchering his name. Um, and we they're in like these little pods that we haven't seen before, and so it makes me sort of wonder where did those come from because those have not been on Discovery this entire time. Um, we've definitely, I feel like they definitely would have used it last, uh, last season because they, they would have came in handy and other things they were doing right. okay. um but neither, neither here nor there they are going through like this minefield or whatever trying to get to a fallen starfleet ship that um that they thought had uh basically been destroyed 10 months ago and they are flying and michael is trying to basically tell him hey you're going off course you need to correct it and he's like arrogantly responding back to her and she's like look I'm just trying to help out and he's like I'm gonna tell you the same thing I told my college roommate and then he dies because he didn't listen and it's just like why Starfleet why why do you keep having these arrogant people because it reminded me of this scene from uh the first Star Trek movie when um Captain Pike is going to going to meet the Klingons and we see Saru not Saru um we see the three guys jump out of the ship and they're flying down in their space suits and they have to get to like the drill to cut the to stop the drill because they can't trans they can't beam anyone while the drill is still operating. 
and you have the two guys pull their shoes early like you're supposed to and the last guy like gets to the last moment and pulls his shoes the last moment and still dies because he was cocky that's who Colin reminded me of of that it was just like oh god dude why why do you have to be so oh and he died and they could have used him but anyway neither here nor there <laughs> they get to this ship and we get to see one of my favorite actors Tig Nataro uh, I said Montero earlier it's Nataro I apologize um and she is an engineer who is helping save the lives of the of 10 of her crew um save the lives of some of her crew members for the last 10 months and I love the line that someone says to her like well you're not a doctor and she's like a body is like an engine or <laughs> something of all that line. And I loved it. Um, what did you think of the scene of meeting her, her character of just what that was? I like her and she's definitely like a survivor. If there's someone you want to be stranded on a des deserted island with, I think she's a, a, the best person because she can improvise. It's no get out. And so she was, it sounded as though like there were escape pods, lots of people were able to escape, except for some of the injured um, folks. And she just helped, she just improvised and tried to keep them alive to the best of her ability. She set up traps in case um, the Klingons found them because she mm -hmm. didn't know what was going on. And I think she thought the war was continuing to occur. Uh, she couldn't I think get any information because of the meteor field around them. Um, but uh, she set up drones, she set up like an ICU ward. <laughs> Girl, yeah, trip wires set up, yeah. like trip lasers set up. Um, she was prepared. Yeah. And she even had this one guy's like heart out of his body, but was still keeping him alive because his heart took shrapnel. And it just goes to show like how smart these people are, right. like fictionally, but like how smart they are to be able to, she's working on one guy's brain, working on another guy's heart. Um, and she didn't abandon her team. And to go to the point of she's that person who you want on desert island, because she's not going to kill you in your sleep. Right. right. You can trust her. Right. Like she's not going to kill you. Because there are some people mm -hmm. I've seen on Starfleet who I'm like, I wouldn't be alone with you at night. Like Ash is one of those people. I'm like, look, I don't know what's going on with your head with Volk. Like you say I could trust you, but you keep lying. But, <laughs> but this character, I'll be with her and be like, hey, look, I'm feeling a little sick. I'm going to go to bed. And she'll be like, I'll make you some soup. That's actually soup. Now I'm going to make you some soup and poison and kill me so she can eat my body. So, you know, I trust her. That's important. <laughs> I read up, up on this character a little bit. Her name is Jet Rena, the character. And mm -hmm. so the Trace actually named the character. So I thought that was pretty cool that they trust her. And I think that's a great name, Jet Reno. Yeah, I think it's it like non-binary. Um, and it's a really, I don't know, I, I jet like an engine. I don't know. I, I just kind of like, I dig that one. Um, but she was alone basically for like with the rest of them, but re really didn't have a lot of people to talk to for 10 months, so an 11 days. So that's a lot of time to be I think isolated in a sort of way mm -hmm. mentally. Um, and so it's gonna be interesting to see how she adapts to the rest of the crew. I hope she stays on board. I really like her. It'd be nice to also have someone else in engineering. Um, I definitely see her and Pike being like best friends, just how with, with like 
how relaxed their characters are and how chill she is um i can see them being friends um also pike gets a little bit of a um another boost in my in my leisure because when they're when they get the um the transporter up and they are beaming everyone off um they lose power and michael runs and puts power back into the ship and then she's sort of blown away from like a small little it's um explosion or impact and she's blown away while they're transported away and we see pike come back for her and I'm like, okay, thank you. Like, you're not even really her captain. You are in this moment, but like a temporary captain. He could have just been like, oh, she was blown up. Um, but I'm liking to see that he is, he just keeps checking boxes, checking boxes I didn't even know I had because Lorca broke my heart. Like, so, you know, I'm, I'm loving Pike. I'm loving that he really does care about his, uh, his team. Um, and then also we see, Pike ends up having a conversation with uh, Michael later and explaining that, because um, Michael wants to tell him the reason why, she was sh shocked not to see Spock. And she's like, she's the reason why they don't talk anymore. And I, one, I'm surprised by that. But two, um, uh, Pike's answer to her basically saying, Spock's not on the Enterprise after Michael says that she wants to see him because the team never felt okay about not coming back to help in the war. And we learned that the reason the Enterprise was never a part of the war was because they were away on a five-year mission. And Starfleet told them to stay away because by the time they got here, who knows what would have happened. And then um, Spock has a, has a question, poses a question to them, what is the logic in staying away if we come back to nothing? Um, and we learned that Spock isn't even there anymore he's not on the enterprise and we learned that he had to go away and he could be away for months and months and months um because he is just we don't know if it's because of the war that they weren't they weren't able to do anything to help save people we didn't know if was, he was worried about his family um or if he was having like a personal point of crisis um but i can see in the way that P pike spoke about him um, that he really cares about Spock and he really yeah. cares about what he's going through. And the fact that he admits that like both he and his crew, it took a toll on them that they weren't able to help. And I'm pretty sure they all lost friends. They all lost family. I'm pretty sure they all lost people that they knew and loved um, in this war. And yet they followed Starfleet's orders and stayed away. And knowing that they were following orders, but also not helping their team, that could make you feel a little less than um what did you think of that whole conversation between pike and michael regarding that i deeply feel that pike is a breath of fresh air yeah um and he listens he's he seems to like just understand the human not just human he wants he understands like uh feelings not just the logical guess like um, I think during the shuttle mission or sometime he was like, where's the red thing? He like, he just, he's <laughs> just very frank and just like, are you got this? And like asking the crew, like, what do we do when his, uh, his, um, um, his vehicle was like, it was cracked and he had to escape. He was, and you could see fear in him. It was just, he's just, a, a, it seemed like a welcoming guy and so he was i think as frank with michael as he could have been and he also offered michael the opportunity to go to the enterprise and go to um spots 
quarters. Uh, just, I think, because he could tell that Michael wanted a little bit more closure, wanted to see what was going on. And so he didn't have to do that, of course. Yeah. Uh, but he um, offered that opportunity. And while there, that was interesting to see Spock's face. For yes. me, that was the first time I've ever seen his quarters. <laughs> and also to see that he was working on um, uh, a view of the Milky Way as well and finding and seeing where these these red glows were, I guess, and researching a lot of things. So we'll find out how that's connected, but he was working on something. And um, I think that's going to play a role in this. Um, I definitely agree with that. And then I also, um, I just want to, when you were talking about Pike and how like real he is, just the scene when he was uh, telling everyone on the bridge what to do and he got to the person who flies, he's like, and you um, fly good. (laughs) I busted out laughing when he said that because he was like, he was giving everyone all these orders. And it was just like for the person who was flying the ship, it was like, all he could say was just, lie good <laughs> and, oh i just thought I, yes you're right pike is such a breath of fresh air um and then there's one other thing i do want to mention um we see it's not so much the scene but it's just so it's just tilly being tilly um because we see she's paul paul tell is the um is the one well tilly is the one that paul tells that he's going to the uh, vulcan space academy um and so then later when she's trying to get a piece of that asteroid because it doesn't go through the tele it doesn't go to the transporter and at all matters is supposed to go to the transporter um she devises this plan to uh capture it into the ship so they can study it and figure out what's going on and then we see like that theory sort of brings paul in and sort of reawakens this passion inside of him that I think we haven't really seen since the first couple of episodes when he was strictly, you know, research driven. Um, So it's, it was nice to see Paul get excited and get happy and get truly, um, he's like, well, I'm offended. I wasn't invited to the party. And she's like, oh my gosh, you're so invited. Like, I love Paul and Tilly's relationship. And so seeing that makes me like really hope that, if they do take Paul off the ship for a bit, because I feel like with uh, Jet's character, she might be stepping into engineering while Paul needs his time to heal. Um, I hope Paul does take the time that he needs to heal, but I really want him to come back because I think, I even think him, Jet and Tilly would be like the dynamic trio. And I just would love to see whatever they come across because I think Jet would get a kick out of Tilly. Paul and Jet would just like mind meld over stuff and Tilly would just be like, I'm mind melding. Um, and then she even gets to the point where she screams at the end of everything when the asteroid's in there and in the part of the ship that it was in, the hangar, she screams, this is the power of math, people. And everyone starts clapping. I'm just like, you're such nerds and I love it. Oh, like this episode made me remember why I love Star Trek. Um, oh, this episode was so great. It made me remember why I love Star Trek again. And oh God, I think I might cry. But I'm not because I'm strong. <laughs> Another reason why I like Captain Pike is because he recognizes that the crew went through something that he did not go through. Not just the war part, but just that they were bonding and that Saru's been acting captain through all, all this. So he agreed, I guess, made a deal on the side to have like joint custody of the captain part but Mm -hmm. 
So Captain Pike will be the formal captain and the Saru will be the number one. And it was nice to see towards the end of the episode, Captain Pike changing from the previous yellow kind of jacket with the black collar um, for Enterprise, which was a nice bridge between, I think, the original series and now and into the blue uh, uniform that Discovery wears. So it was nice to see that transition also take place um, in the in their uniforms. Yeah, because it was nice to see him do the joint custody because I feel like a lot of captains probably, Lorca wouldn't have done that. Lorca would not have shared captaincy with Saru, um, with anyone really. Um, and I think Captain Pike did it. And the thing with Pike is when he does actions, I don't see an ulterior motive behind it. I don't have to wonder, like, because who knows, he may be a totally horrible bad person, which I don't think he is, but with the way this show's been going, I wouldn't be surprised. Because um, every person they set us up to love breaks our heart. Um, but like he it feels so real that he's like look I'm not going to take away this man's ship Um, my ship needs a little bit more time to get fixed Um, even when they were taking the mission of bringing the asteroid into the hangar he's like my mission's over cap like Saruna this is now your mission like he's very like I'm not going to overstep my bounds Um, so again we're agreeing Captain Pike is just amazing so as we wrap up this uh, season recap of Brother, episode one, what are your final thoughts of this episode? I really like the episode. The ending is also intriguing to me. There was a fortune cookie that was left behind by Lorca and it read, not every cage is a prison, not every loss eternal. So... There's a lot of ways in which we can read into that because Michael was in prison and now she, I don't know where this is going. I'm, I'm so interested. I'm, I'm like buckling up, enjoying the ride, hoping this roller coaster ride is going to be awesome. So break my heart. Oh, and I'm, I'm so pleased that it doesn't seem like all of this is centered around Michael any longer. Yes. I like the fact that there's, there's, a deeper dive into the other characters on Discovery of the other crew members. Yeah. Yes. Um, I am very excited. I, I I will say it was getting a little rough at the, at the end of season one. There were some parts where I'm just like, okay, I'm so done with the show because what you keep got what you guys keep doing to me. Um, and like I said earlier, this episode just sort of like reignited my love again of why I love Star Trek of why I love this story of why I love these characters um and I love I agree with you I like that this isn't Michael centered um or and I hope that this season is not Michael centered um because Star Trek is just more than just one character um and last year it will it really was heavily Michael driven and I want to see more I want to learn more about these other characters I want to learn more about the people on the bridge I want to learn more about um Saru and I love that this episode we saw Saru literally almost freak out when he thought he lost Michael and so it's almost just sort of like a and it was like a true freak out not uh this is my job I can't lose someone it was like no she's my friend I can't lose her um it's just nice to see that we're getting to know everyone a little bit more in this episode. And I think that's what we're going to see in this season. Um, do What are your predictions for the next uh, coming episodes? Uh, I, 
foresee some conflict. Um, it wouldn't be a drama series if there wasn't some conflict. So uh, we'll see what's going on between Spock and Michael. Um, it'll be interesting to see two and another engineering person. And if there's mm -hmm. any conflict there between Jet and Paul um, and Tilly, and I hope they all bond together because I would love, like you, I would like to see the three of them um, in engineering. And I'm hoping that, you know, Pike and Saru can manage this um, co-op that they're for in the captain's chair. So yeah, I'm looking forward to all of that. Um, I'm also curious about what in the world is going on with Terry and Giorgio, just lingering out on quiz. I, I, that, that's a scary thought for me. <laughs> so uh, let's see what how they wrap that up. I hope, uh, yes, we'll see. How about you? Uh, I am, I won't say this. I don't want to see Ash again. I don't want to see, I don't want to see Giorgio again. I don't like, I know they're probably going to come back up because this is Star Trek and that like their adversaries that she's probably gonna have to face. I don't want to see them. I, um, cause then, cause really I wanted, to, I sort of want the show to go back to just being, uh, each, almost each episode having its own story arc and not having one full story, like, that where the whole season is one story arc i would like each episode to have a story arc or maybe each like a group of three episodes is a story arc and a group of another three episodes is a story arc um because when one whole season is one long story arc it gets sort of tiring by the end because you're just like i just want the answer <laughs> what is going on <laughs> um so i i don't really want to see ash again at least not not so soon um I, unless I do like a time jump and it's been like a year or two or something like that, I think it's too fresh because really it's only been like, what, a couple of weeks since, if that, from, since the war ended. Um, I don't want to see Laurel. I don't really want to see anyone from season one. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so my prediction is that they're all probably going to be in season two because um, it would just make sense for them to be there. I don't want it, but I feel like they're all going to be there. Um, I think Pike is going to be a, a really good breath of fresh air. And the only reason why I'm going to say I know he's not going to die is because he's getting his own series. So he can't die. So I was hoping that was that was one of my fears at first. I was like, oh, no, he's great. Are they going to kill him? Because, you know, they could they could devi deviate if they want to. Um, I want to see Paul healed. I want to see Paul become the, his best self. I want to see more of the other characters and I don't, I do not want a Michael driven season. That is my wish. Don't know if I'm going to get it, but that is my wish. Um, and Taryn Giorgio, I want her dead. No good can come of her. No good can come of that woman. There is literally nothing good that could come of this woman still being in the universe. But she's not dead, so she's probably going to come back. But that's my thoughts. Um. So as all, oh, do you have something to say? No, I. I'm just hoping our dreams come true. And uh, Starfleet promised Terry and Georgia that they would send her back. So I guess they have to do it. She followed her into the, the bargain, and the rest is up to Starfleet. We'll send her back. Let that just be like a 10, 10 a minute portion of an episode. Hey, sure. we can send you back now. You're back. Yeah, send Go her away. and Harry Mudd to the mirror. Yes, <laughs> Harry Mudd, send him away. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So that is everything. So thank you for listening and be sure to come back for episode two. As always, I'm Andrea. And I'm Anika. And live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.